Welcome to On the Way with Tony Crisp. Each weekday, Dr. Crisp will be discussing biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Tune in daily to start your day right and deepen your understanding of how to better walk the way and enjoy the journey. Here's your host, Dr. Tony Crisp. Welcome to On the Way. This is Tony Crisp, and this is podcast number 86. Today, I want to tell you a story. It's a true story. It's out of the book of Esther. Maybe you would even want to read this entire story. You can read the book in just a few minutes. This happened 480 years before Jesus was born in Bethlehem. The main characters are King Xerxes, Queen Esther. Her Jewish name was Hadassah, a wicked man by the name of Haman, and Mordecai, Esther's uncle. You see, the time was during the Persian kingdom, and everything was good for the Jews. They had been blessed. God had blessed them in captivity. Thousands upon thousands had gone back under the decree of Cyrus and had built a second temple. For 70 years, the people had been without a central worship center, and God had been merciful and gracious and had allowed them to come back in the land as he promised that he would. But now the Persians are firmly in control, and Xerxes has a harem, and Hadassah is part of that. Mordecai, her uncle, had taken her in when her parents had died. She had no family, and he had taken her in and had raised her as his own daughter. She was beautiful, incredibly beautiful, and she was chosen to be a part of the harem, and then she was chosen to be the queen. Now, Mordecai had said, don't tell them you're a Jew, because they won't know that unless you tell them, and there may be a time when it will be needful, but not now. Now, it's an amazing providence of God that Mordecai had uncovered a plot to kill the king. When it was made known through Esther to the king, then the plotters were destroyed, were killed by the king, and Mordecai's incredible act of bravery was put down in the annals of the Persian king. And so now it's a different time. The king has made an unwise decision, and he is raised to the place of prime minister, a wicked man by the name of Haman. Now, Haman was a proud man, and he wanted everyone to bow down to him. And when they didn't bow down, it infuriated him. It always does. And so he made a plot to not only kill Mordecai, but his people, because he knew that Mordecai was a Jew, and he hated the Jewish people. They were enemies in his mind, of the Persians and of all the other peoples. And the fact that they would not bow down to anyone except the true and the living God absolutely enraged him. And so he designed this plot, got the king to sign off on it. With his signet ring, he sent out a letter that a year later, all the people living in the provinces would be able to kill the enemies, the Jews. And so Mordecai rent his clothes when he found out about it. He sat in sackcloth and ashes. And when it came to the ears of Queen Esther, she said, what's wrong? And he said, do you not understand that we are going to be targeted? And because we will not bow down and worship Haman, we're going to be destroyed. And so the story picks up in chapter four of the book of Esther. And I want you to just listen to this. When Mordecai learned all that had happened, he tore his clothes and put on sackcloth and ashes and went out into the midst of the city. He cried out with a loud and bitter cry. He went as far as the front of the king's gate 
for no one might enter the king's gate clothed with sackcloth. And in every province where the king's command and decree arrived, that is, the decree to kill the Jews, there was great mourning among the Jews with fasting, weeping, and wailing, and many lay in sackcloth and ashes. Now, this is very important. Because you see, when someone is in control that says, you're going to do it my way or you're going to be killed, then there are no exceptions to this. It is not the land of the free now. This is Persia and a wicked man is in control. And so it says, so Esther's maids and eunuchs came and told her and the queen was deeply distressed. Then she sent garments to clothe Mordecai and to take his sackcloth away from him, but he would not accept them. Then Esther called Hatak, one of the king's eunuchs, whom he had appointed to attend her, and she gave him a command concerning Mordecai to learn what and why this was. You see, she was insulated. She was isolated. She didn't know what all was going on. She was going about her life, doing her thing. All was good. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? And Mordecai told him all that had happened to him and how he would not bow down, basically. And the sum of the money that Haman had promised to pay into the king's treasuries to destroy the Jews. He also gave him a copy of the written decree for their destruction, which was given at Shushan, that is the palace, that he might show it to Esther and explain it to her that he might command, that is that Hatak might command her to go into the king and to make supplication or intercession to him and plead on behalf of her people. So Hatak returned and told Esther the words of Mordecai. See, Mordecai said, Esther, you're going to have to go in and do this. Then Esther spoke to Hatak and gave him a command for Mordecai. And here it was, all the king's servants and the people of the king's provinces know that any man or woman who goes into the inner core of the king who has not been called, he has but one law put all to death except the one to whom the king holds out the golden scepter that he may live. Yet I myself have not been called to go into the king for 30 days. So they told Mordecai Esther's words. Esther said, I can't go in. I've not been called in and my life will be at stake. Now here is an amazing statement. This paragraph changed the course of human history and the destiny of the Jews. And Mordecai told them to answer Esther, do not think in your heart that you will escape in the king's palace any more than any of the other Jews. For if you remain completely silent at this time, relief and deliverance will arise from the Jews from another place. But you and your father's house will die. You will perish. Yet who knows but that you have come into the kingdom for such a time as this. What an amazing statement. Here was Queen Esther in the providence of God had been raised up to a position and a platform of power. She could speak like no one else to the corridors of power, but she was thinking about being silent because it might cost her something. Her uncle was being forced to bow down to a wicked ideology and a wicked man. And yet, with all that had been done for her, all of her privileges, she was questioning as to whether she should stand or not. Mordecai sent back, and I can just hear him say, listen, honey, if you think you're going to escape this fanatic, you're crazy. Because you see, Haman is the head of cancel culture. And if you think that he's going to let you stand when you don't bow down to him, then you're crazy because no one is exempt. And by the way, no one ever is. And so when Esther did not bow down, but she went to the king and said, here is what is happening. I am a Jew. 
and I identify with the Jewish people. And if you allow Haman to do this wicked thing that he has brought upon you and deceived you with, then I'm going to die as well. And Xerxes was absolutely furious. And when he searched it out, he found out that Mordecai had been a friend. He had been the one who had stood in the gap and who exposed a plot to kill the king himself. And so in the providence of God, Esther said, this cannot go on. And the king said, that's right. And so what happened was the pit that Haman, wicked Haman, dug for Mordecai, or even more appropriate, the gallows that he built, he was hung on himself. You see, the fact is, there is a time and a place to stand. Now, listen to me. I want to talk with you as a brother or sister, as a friend. The days in which we're living are evil in America. And there is a plot against the people that believe like you and I do. Make no mistake about it. The cancel culture will come after you. You might think, oh, it's just people like Pastor Tony and his family. It's just people like Mike Huckabee. It's just people like Donald Trump. It's just people like, and you name whoever you want to. No, let me tell you, this is a plot from hell. This is a Marxist plot that is out to destroy America. This is a plot of globalists who are after our president. And it's not that they hate him so much, but they hate you and me. And what he stands for is what we stand for. Now, I know what people say. How can you stand how he talks and he cusses and he's proud and he's arrogant? Well, let me just share a thought with you. I wonder if the people under the iron fist of Nazi Germany and under Hitler who were being slaughtered who were being destroyed, who were having their lands and their houses taken away, their children hauled off to camps. I wonder if when cussing, mean General Patton came in, if they said, no, no, General Patton, you go back to America. Could you send someone over here nice to deal with Hitler? Because you see, we don't want you cursing while you're delivering us. We want you to be nice to everybody. We call that in East Tennessee hogwash. You know why? Because it is. It's muck and it's mire. Washington is a swamp. America is swimming in a swamp. And unless you and I, as followers of Jesus, those of us who believe in biblical values, unless we stand up, if you think that you're going to be spared and your family is going to be spared, the only way you're going to be spared is if you bow down like the rest of the sheeples. And so I'm saying to you, there is a time to stand. And who knows? Who knows? But that you and I have come into the kingdom for such a time as this. You say, wait just a minute. I don't have a big platform like you do. We all have a platform. We all have a sphere of influence. But the fact is that some people are more concerned about being liked than they are for standing for truth. Let me tell you, our president, Donald Trump, is the most pro-life, pro-life, that is against abortion and the killing of innocents. In the killing of babies, he is the most pro-life president in my lifetime. He's the most pro-life president ever. And the other side, they're just the opposite. They are for not only killing babies inside the womb, but letting them die if the abortion is botched. Now, I know this is straight talk, but this is time for straight talk. 
you want to see your values go forward, then it's time to stand. Start talking to people and let them know that you stand for what is right. If you don't like Donald Trump, that's fine. There's a lot of people that I have voted for that I didn't personally like and didn't personally know. It doesn't matter. It's a matter of doing the right thing. And let me tell you, He has done more for religious liberty and Christian freedom, not just Christian freedom, but religious freedom than any president in my lifetime and any that I can read in the history of America. He has stood, he has made promises, and he's kept them. This is not a campaign commercial, and quite honestly, if you don't want to listen anymore, that's just fine. But there is a time when we must stand. Who knows? Who knows? But that we have come into the kingdom for such a time as this. I will not bow down. I will not surrender. I will not be a part of what is going on in America to try to destroy America. I'm going to stand. I'm going to preach because what I can tell you is that God is the only hope of America. That's right. When we as Americans, and starting at the Church of Jesus and in our own homes, when we get on our faces before God and confess that we are sinners and that nothing can happen in this country that is good unless the hand of God is upon it, I believe with all of my heart it was in the providence of God that Donald Trump be elected in 2016. I believe if the Marxists are allowed to rule in America and he loses this election, The persecution that will come will be astounding, and it will be quickly. People say, well, if Donald Trump gets elected, then they're going to burn down the cities of America. That may well be, but I can tell you, if Biden and Harris are elected, they'll burn down the churches of America, and you're going to have to stand by and watch it happen because, you see, none will be spared. If you think that you'll be spared, then you have believed a lie cancel culture comes after everyone that doesn't bow down well i hope this is a kick in the seat of the pants for all of us for on the way this is tony crisp thanks for listening to on the way with tony crisp tune in every weekday for information on biblical passages people places and prophecies fridays are for your questions Email your questions to questions at TonyCrisp.org. Then just listen for your question to be answered on Friday's podcast. That's questions at TonyCrisp.org. Thanks for listening and have a blessed day on the way.